Hey everybody and welcome to episode 55 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I am joined by guitarist Eric Kluber. Eric currently plays in the band Void Vader, whose upcoming album Great Fear Rising will be released April 23rd on Ripple Music. I'm going to play you the first single from that album called I Can't Take It at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. In addition to Void Vader, Eric has also played with Gypsy Hawk and White Wizard, among other bands. We talk about playing in a band, touring, being signed to Metal Blade Records, and of course, Metallica, how he got into the band, certain times he's seen them live, the influence they've had on him as a guitarist, and so much more. Here is my conversation with Eric Kluber. My guest today is the guitarist of the band Voivader. He has also played for Gypsy Hawk and White Wizard. He is a longtime Metallica fan as well. Please welcome to Metallicast, Eric Kluber. Eric, how are you? Doing great, Brandon. Wonderful having you. I, I, you know, you're a longtime Metallica fan. We talked a little bit online before you came on this episode. And uh, I know that Metallica has been a big influence on you and Voivader and I'm just really curious, What what's the first time, do you remember the first time you heard the band and sort of how you became a fan of Metallica? Yeah, my first memory is hearing For Whom the Bell Tolls on the radio. And uh, I moved around a lot, so I was living in Tustin, California at the time, and KNAC was still around. And I think they were in town for the Monsters of Rock tour with Dawkins and Van Halen and the Scorpions, and they were guests. Yeah, and that riff right there, they should really caught my ear. So that's my first memory. And, uh, you know, I was watching Headbangers Ball and into a lot of metal and uh, picking up Hit Parader magazines and Metal Sludge and Metal Maniacs. So when, you know, I was too young to go to Monsters of Rock, but when Injustice for All came out, I, I bought it the first day and I bought it on uh, double vinyl. And at the time, it was funny because that was, uh, should I get it on cassette tape or vinyl? Because I had like a, an all-in-one, it was a record player and two yeah. cassettes. And so I got it on vinyl. And uh, so that was some of my introduction. I also, around the same time, they put out Cliff Mall. So I remember buying that VHS. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how I got into them. And and that was what year was that approximately 88 i believe so maybe i heard it in 87 or no I th i'm thinking 88 i think that's really when i became aware of the mighty mets <laughs> very nice and i mean that's quite the introduction i feel like when you uh see them on that build and injustice for all is not necessarily the you know easiest 
album to digest if you're were you, did you have a lot of metal interest going I into was that getting album into the metal because the headbangers ball was was going right and they had not released a video yet if you remember the first video they came out with was one yeah but megadeth was out and iron maiden was out sure and i believe i'd already even been introduced to like king diamonds um uh, because i mean he had the video for welcome home if i'm remembering correctly you know headbangers ball it was still adam curry it was before ricky oh, wow yeah yeah yeah, man, that's what we did. You know, we, 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 it was like, um, you know, it was kind of a lucky time to, to be alive. I was just a kid, uh, like at that point, it'd be 12, 13 years old. And so we'd be playing Dungeons and Dragons and listening <laughs> nice. to heavy metal. I mean, it, yeah, it's like straight out of a fucking comic book. <laughs> well, a lot of metal you know, bands are almost real. straight out of a comic book, you know? Say that again. So there are a lot of metal bands almost straight out of a comic book. So, you know, all the worlds bleed together, you know. It was beautiful. It was it was kind of awesome. It was like a perfect adolescence, really. And getting into playing guitar. That's right when I started playing guitar, too. Right when I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what kind of led you to the guitar? Was it your, you know, your interest in these bands? Or did you just think, oh, that looks cool. I, I'll give that well, a shot. Was- or... It was definitely the bands. I mean, it was a, it was a fucking awesome time. I mean, let's yeah, all the so much great music was coming around. I was in middle school, uh, or I was coming out, excuse me. And um, yeah, I mean, you'd go to the grocery store and the and the shelves would just be filled with like heavy metal magazines. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was really kind of the pinnacle. And um, and listening to the to all the good music. I mean, from uh, from like the commercial end of like rat and to iron maiden to uh the thrash end and um there was there was a lot of culture that was just all about music it was very exciting and and really everyone wanted to learn to play an instrument and uh my dad did to have an acoustic guitar laying around so that helped mm-hmm. and um but definitely the music i mean it's heavy metal made me want to play guitar if it wasn't for heavy metal and and distortion, maybe not so much. Got to be honest. Yeah. I mean, the sound of the electric guitar was the coolest. Is the coolest yeah. to this day. That's awesome. That's like the, you know, almost like the golden era. You the thrash metal scene is rising up, and you know, you're just a few years removed from it sort of exploding and spilling over into you know, MTV and FM radio and the general mainstream with like the black album. And then you have like contact to extinction and other albums like that, that sort of crossed over. Yeah. It was before the huge commercial explosion. So it was still, I was in a great spot too. Um, yeah, we moved around a lot. I, I had to move back to the Detroit area shortly after and continue. And that's where I saw my first concert, which was injustice for all tour um was it 89 um summer like at pine knob is what it was called but it, it you know it was metallica justice for all tour with the yeah. cold opening that was my first like that's awesome there you go kid yeah yeah <laughs> uh, my my rite of passage but it was also like older another thing i wanted to bring up is older brothers i didn't have an older brother but my friends did mm-hmm. and uh I had a younger brother and younger sister, right? So, but uh, they were very influential as well. And they were super all about scorpions. And uh, yeah, they were already into it from, from like 82 and 83. So when we came up, we had a good, um, good guidance. Yeah. Yeah. I had into it, man. 
Yeah, I have two older brothers. I'm the baby of the family. So uh, I know, you know, my older brother kind of the oldest brother kind of listens to everything from, you know, Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses and then classic rock and Bob Dylan. And so I kind of got that from him. And then my the middle brother was into, you know, the grunge scene. And then he got into heavier bands and some of the heavy bands he got into. I kind of stayed away from like he got into more of the new metal stuff, but the, so like I discovered Megadeth through him and then, um, you know, and Metallica kind of stumbled upon on my own, but my love of Metallica was like, Oh, wait a minute. Dave Mustaine was in that band. Let me borrow your Megadeth record. And then, and then it just spirals, you know, you did some independent research, some detective work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's cool when you, you kind of find, you latch onto something that you like, and then you keep exploring those branches and it opens these new worlds. That's a fast, a fun way to, to learn about things. Yeah. It's Metallica was great, but uh, yeah, that's how I, I definitely got into, you know, got the itch if you will and eventually the i mean it sort of begins as a hobby and then becomes uh, a passion and then you know you get into doing you know playing in band so what it just you got addicted it just you just kept on going from there step at a time man and everybody (laughs) wants the first step is to pick up the guitar and it was a classic story of like well if you do well on this I'm doing a horrible impression of my parents. It sounds nothing like that. But Wait, so was, that the, my was that your mom piece. or dad? <laughs> both, both in unison. Right? Yeah. Now my mom has. Okay, anyway, so it's a classic story <laughs> of um, here's the acoustic guitar. If you learn how to play this, you know maybe maybe uh, you'll get an electric guitar down the road. So I uh, learned the Mel Bay book and and practiced and and, and, and yeah. did well at it and uh, as my my buddy's older brother was going off to to join the army and sold his ibanez roadstar and like a, a roland combo amp to me with like a distortion pedal and a and a phaser so that's i i acquired that that was an awesome yeah. birthday present that was like uh, the next the next level like okay you're yeah. showing progress and, and promise in it and then uh you know well, I moved after that, but then your next step is to try and get into a band. And so you just, just jam Hollywood, uh, or not Hollywood. I didn't, I lived in Detroit. The hell am I saying? Um, <laughs> but basement jam parties with your friends and everyone's learning their instruments. And it's usually yeah. you and one other musician. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate in Michigan, they have basements. So uh, <laughs> yeah. everyone has a basement. And so you go oh, to the yeah. drummer's house and, and you got your little combo amp that you can barely lift. Yeah. And uh, you turn them up as loud as you can and tr- try to make music, you know, kind <laughs> of something that resembles music. And you just, you know, you get your first band and, and you, you do oh, your, yeah. you know, the battle of the bands at high school. That's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's like a, another rite of passage. And then uh, it's, it's just trying to do something legit and, uh, uh, I guess professional or you know professional quality and and you just keep you keep following that and that's how that's how it starts anyway and it's and a lot of people kind of start and then yeah it's not for them and, the, and they fade out you know I ended up uh, moving to Hollywood uh, 10 years at, the, at this point and I've already gone through band after band after band I'm kind of jumping at the end but but um that's how you just you just stay on you're just trying to get to 
something that clicks. I mean, it's right. you gotta fight for your right to party and rock and roll for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was just having flashbacks when you're talking. I uh, when I was in high school, you know, I was like, I, I had taken piano lessons as a kid, uh, and then you know, I wanted. That's a great I, first step, you know, piano. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Because you learn rhythm, you learn eighth notes and your 16th and your triplets and just, just playing all music. Absolutely. Um, it really comes, it pulls out of the same pot. Yeah, absolutely. But when I got to high school, it's like, I I liked the piano. I did, but I'm like, I want to, I want a guitar. I want to be like Metallica and you know, so, but I had, uh, uh, a good buddy, two of my best friends for life that I met in eighth grade. One had a drum set. I wouldn't call him a drummer yet, but he had a drum set. Yeah. One one was a, a you know a, a aspiring guitarist, and I want to play guitar. And he's like, "No, I already play guitar. I want you in my band. We need a bassist." Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to play bass. I want to you know I want it to be like the soloist and like the. He's like he. And my friend goes such a dick he's like you got fat fingers play the bass <laughs> so that is I, kind of funny wow. <laughs> so i started playing the bass but i i really latched on and then studying people like cliff burden and steve harris and geezer butler and learning their parts and just and, and you know but next thing i knew i was playing bass <laughs> yeah, playing bass in the band bass yeah. is an awesome instrument i played it in, in a for a little bit i kind of changed it up about five years ago and i played bass and sang for a band it's uh and as you're kind of saying a lot of kids gravitate towards the guitar and it's really cool the guys that either either whether they choose it or they it kind of gets thrown on at them like your position is it's an awesome discipline you know that's kind of a unique story in itself you know a different path if you will not not quite as followed or, or tread yeah well and i had a i ended up taking lessons and i had a great teacher kind of you know taught me the role of the bass player and sort of you know how to how to play in a band and and so uh, once i kind of got that understanding i i really adopted that role and became sort of a a a thing for a moment but unlike you when i got when i graduated high school i I went to uh i'm a music teacher now but so i you are i am i'm a music teacher yeah but the the but which is like a different kind of performance like i always liked performing but the thought of like and i liked being on stage but the the thought of like grinding it out and being on the road and like i knew that was not for me um it's not for everyone i actually thrive on that like like yeah it's like super strength to be on the road but go ahead sorry i know i was just saying you know it's just funny to see how the stories start but then you know go in different directions because i knew by the time i got to college i was like i, I love playing in bands i love playing shows but I, like i i, I don't I, I don't see myself being on the road and grinding it out so but i always respected the people who who thrive on that like yourself because i i there's a part of me who wants to be that person but i just I don't think I have it in me. <laughs> yeah, probably not. And that's great to yeah. be like honest to yourself and then a lot more effective with your time and your energy. Cause otherwise you'd just be spinning your wheels. For sure. You know, um, because as you said, that doing this, I, I guess, um, yeah, a lot of people it, that I played with, it wasn't for them and they did have a great gig and, and being in the band was a nuisance and it took away, um, 
from their education, from their relationship to from their job, from their um, family. Right. In which I understand. And so um, that's half of it is just where you're at in life and, and where, what your setup is. You know, I'm not married. Sure. I don't have children. That's huge, you know, in and of itself. Um, and, and, and my jobs actually are all day jobs that that uh, get me through day to day. Mm-hmm. But it's so I can so I can be in a goddamn band, you know, and like go right, to play yeah, yeah. this weekend. So we do these shows and you get to a level where you, you play in your hometown. You're a your hometown hero. You're a local band. And and that's awesome. And that's enough for a lot of people. But I wanted to take it to the next level, you know, and, nice. and just playing Friday or Saturday night at, at, at the local club to me wasn't. There was a lot more and sure. to play and pack up and go play a show in Cleveland in front of 14 people doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but to, to some people, yeah, yeah, yeah. to me, that's like, that's you have, it makes all the sense. That's what you have to do. Yeah, right. And, and that's how it is. And so it, if you look at it the wrong way, it, uh, it, like it, on paper, maybe it doesn't make any sense, but to me, well, no, just the way it is. It, it makes all the sense in the world. You need to move out. You need to expand. You need to grow beyond your boundaries. Sure. And it can be uncomfortable, I guess. Um, to me, it's just nothing but adventure. Right. And that's why I look at it. That's how, to us, it's very freeing, freeing, you know, to get out of the house, to get out of our town, to forget about our day-to-day and the bills yeah. and, and what are your, whatever your domestic thing, whatever your routine is. Mm. It's fantastic to get away from that. At day in and day out, where the actual what's going through your mind is how do we get to the next town? What time do we have to leave? What time is load in? Uh, what what's our set time? You know, do I have to change the strings on my guitar? Uh, these are the things uh, that you had when when you get the chance to tour that you're concerned with, which is yeah. just the show and getting to the next town and doing it all over again sure. and keeping this machine rolling. Right. Okay, I think it's awesome, but. Yeah. If that's nothing but work for you, <laughs> you're not gonna have a good time at all. If you're just hating every minute of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. think of a worse scenario. So that's where like these these stages in life, kind right. of everyone finds their path and what's right for them and what's not. Like you said, you love teaching. That's kind of like a, an avenue of performance. I see that as well. That's what that's one of my day jobs as well. Teaching, yeah. doing it for like God, how many years at this point? Twenty five years, long time, <laughs> and still it probably will forever. Yeah, you know, that's one of the my, my cards, and it is like you said, it is performance. You get you can uh, get a lot of satisfaction out of it, like really sure. kind of changing someone's life one on one. To be quite honest, you know, yeah. and that's really that's that's great. And some dudes have all the talent in the world, as as much talent as as anybody on stage. Um, but you know, they're gonna teach and they're gonna go home and and they might and they have a family and mm-hmm. and and that's what they're doing and that's uh you know people don't, that's that's highly respected uh you know i i respect that a thousand percent you know that's one of the avenues you can be at you can be in a local band and that can be like dude it's great me and, my, and the guys get together you can be in a cover band that's great mm-hmm. or you can be in the um original touring band and that's what i always wanted to be right and uh i've, I've kind of like shaped my life to be able to do it and and still do it and uh I think it's it's actually awesome, man. Uh, yeah. You know, I've been in Void Vader. You know, I've been in many, many bands. You were talking about some of the previous bands, like White Wizard, that was on Eric Records. We put out a mm-hmm. really well received r- record called Over the Top. 
um, mm. out some videos. Uh, I got to do my first national tour with them, which I had awesome. always wanted to do like a, yeah. a real tour. I'd yeah, always yeah. tried to do like a, a, an out of like, a, I guess maybe a regional show. I mean, I spent a, a great deal of time in the Detroit area. So we made it out to Chicago a couple of times and, and some of the Michigan satellite cities like Lansing and Kalamazoo or made it down to Cleveland like once or twice, but it was like s- very few and far between, you know? Right. And it wasn't a tour day in, day out, night after yeah, night, yeah, after yeah. night, you know? And of course it started where in Hollywood, this band um, actually moved out to Hollywood to join them. You know, I, I auditioned and got it and, and relocated my life from Detroit, Michigan, because I felt I had taken it as far as it could go. And I just wanted to do it. And um, and I got the gig, you know, and I'd always wanted to be in a real band. Um, yeah. So I moved out and, and got to do my first real tour. And so we're in Hollywood and the tour starts in, uh, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Say it again. Worcester. Yeah, see, I can't get the, uh, the Boston <laughs> accent. Worcester, you, like Worcester. you would, it, to everybody not from New England, you want to say it's Worcester, but it's Worcester. Yeah, kind of like Worcester. Yeah. There is like a Worcester, Ohio, like yeah. Worcester, Ohio. So this is like, <laughs> like, like a worst, like a bratwurst, like <laughs> worst, Worcester. You know, it, yeah. So the it, it a real famous like theater. It was the uh, Palladium. Yes, yeah, the play. Yeah, I love the play. I've not been to a show there in years, but I grew up like high school, college. Like I went to so many metal shows there. It yeah, was, man. Uh, it's just I it, love it, that theater, and it was great, you know. And that was with Corpaclani Tear. So Corpaclani is from Finland. Tear is from the Faroe Islands, and then uh, Swashbuckle, who is um, God, are they from like? Oh shit, are they from New Jersey? I think they're from Jersey. Then us, White Wizard. So I got to do my first uh, national tour, man. That, that nice. was what a fantastic. Uh, that was fucking awesome. So after that, I was in Gypsy Hawk, and that band was on Metal Blade Records, mm-hmm. and uh, we put out an album called Revelry and Resilience, and uh, we did some great tours. We toured the two back-to-back tours with the Sword, nice. and. Um, you know, that's where when we played San Francisco, that's when some of the Metallica guys came out and saw that show. Mm-hmm. And and after that, now it's, I mean, I'd have to literally look up the name of it. It's a nice theater, but I couldn't tell you the name of the theater offhand, you know? <laughs> no, if it's not in Worcester, I don't know it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so, but it was legit, man. And, and the show was yeah. sold out. There's a lot of sold out shows on that tour. Um, great tour. Us, uh, the sword, and uh, American sharks. So awesome. after the show, um, I mean, Lars was just hanging out in the backstage yeah. room, which isn't much bigger than my apartment, which is like 350 square feet. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like us and the American sharks guys, and uh, and the sword, and everyone's just drinking beers, and there's some joints being passed around, and uh, that was I got a chance to talk to him, and I said, hey man, you know big big fan i mean the most generic <laughs> thing you could possibly say yeah and he and, and so we got to talk and you know hey i play guitar for gypsy hawk and he goes oh yeah you 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 were played brian's he called it like brian's party or brian's gig because two weeks <laughs> earlier we had played the metal blade 30th anniversary with armored saint and sacred nice. right yeah and metallica was at that <laughs> but i didn't get a chance to meet him or anything it was kind of 
like there was a, a VIP section that I, that I could not get into. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, but no, he, he knew who the fuck we were. And I, I thought that That's was awesome. rad as hell, yeah. you know? So yeah, that was, that was a great show, man. That was, that was cool. That was the one time I got to meet anybody from that band Metallica. Yeah. That's awesome. Super nice guy too. Right. I've, I've only met him at like, uh, I, uh, like quick little meet and greet things, but super nice friendly guy you know he gets a bad rap but i'm always like but he he makes you feel like you've known each other your whole life from my experience like he's like oh yeah what's your name uh, uh. <laughs> you well, know, I got, like, the vibe was super cool it was really yeah. chill and and this is what really sucked about it i mean basically got cock blocked in the sense that the guy that was uh in charge of gypsy hawks like oh dude we got to get out of here man we got to leave and go to the house we're staying at overnight i'm like we're fucking partying here. I'm having a good time. Oh no, man, we gotta leave right now. I'm like, what the? F- oh man, so go take off. I mean, man, that, it was it was cool. Everyone's just hanging out, and um, yeah, the vibe was really sweet. But that was that was my uh, thirty second conversation with the with Lars. That's awesome. And I, and I'm interested to talk about your time on Metal Blade Records. Brian was mm. on the. Uh, show you busted my balls about uh, how I pronounced his name. Listen, this is a high. I have. I what did you? What did I? I, I it's Slago, but I said what Slagel? Yes, yes, Slagel. <laughs> like Brian well, Slagel. I was like, I, I was. I listen. I have Eric. I have a highbrow audience, and I need to okay, you know yeah, cater to the, them. All right. So crust. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm interested, you know, as somebody who worked in, uh, new Brian on a certain level, he was a guest in the show, obviously played a big role in the early days of Metallica. So what yeah. was that experience like? Metal Blade's a legendary label. It is a legendary label. So when we, um, I had joined Gypsy Hawk in 2011 and we did a, a, a DIY tour. I love those as well. And when we came back from that particular tour, uh, we played a party with Holy Grail and um, some other like pretty pretty high profile bands in the underground um, here, in, and the show was at a rehearsal studio. They were having like a party thing, and Mike Faley, who also works at Metal Blade, was at the concert, and and then and that that band had a underground buzz, and the next day they offered us a record deal. Oh, wow! So that was out of nowhere. And, um, and it really was like a kind of an optional show it was like, Hey, do you want to play this show when you get back from the tour? It's like a day after you guys get back from your, your like cross country DIY tour. So sure. Yeah, let's do it. It's a great, it's a great, uh, lineup. Um, it just sounds fantastic. So we did it and then got a record deal out of it. And, wow. um, yeah. Proof so why you never say no. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I always say yes. Yeah. Right. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Everything. (laughs) But you you always got to rock and roll, man. You always. Yeah. (laughs) There you go, kids. Always say yes. Say yes to the rock. And yeah, we got our record deal. So, um, so fast forward, I'm just trying to think. I mean, the album was not written, actually. They, they signed us based on the performance of that show, which was actually a really, um, short set. Um, that was a cool party, though. I remember Scott Carlson from Repulsion was there, and just like a lot of metal people were there um, that are yeah. here in, in Los Angeles. And anywho, um, my interactions with Brian were uh, few and far between. Meaning, like we had a couple, 
short meetings at Metal Blade Records up in uh, where are they, where were they at? Thousand Oaks. They're up like about a good almost hour north of here. Um, just for business things. Um, he came out to our vinyl release party. Um, and him and, and John Bush, I remember they were there at a small record store. We did like a live show. Nice. At, like I think it was called Vacation Vinyl on Sunset Strip. And they recorded, they filmed that. And, um, you know, it was a guitar player guy. It wasn't like the mouthpiece of that band. Yeah. Um, he was always really cool. I know that he really liked the band I was in, Gypsy Hawk. It was kind of a pet project of him because he really has an affinity for Thin Lizzy. And uh, I think he believed a lot in the band and um, was really like pushing for us and, and, you know, and, and, and put the record out. And we got like, what, three videos. We, we did Hedge King, Silver Queen and State Lines. And yeah, my short experience with with Metal Blade was great. And and he was cool, man. But um, we dealt with a girl named Kelly a lot. You know, I mean, there's a lot of bands on metal blade and mm -hmm. it's not like you're talking to dude every day on the phone sure, of course like yeah. Yeah, yeah so and i'd see i go out to shows here when the house of blues was still around and like i'd see him like i went to see my buddies in tear play and mm -hmm. then you know metal blade inside tear and i still see mike failey at shows when those were happening and um here and there so oh, brian's cool man i uh <laughs> you said hi that's about it you know i was yeah, on his yeah, label yeah. for a hot minute <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was cool that i remember one of my my first high school bands you know we, we made did our first uh recording and sent it out to metal blade records i think it was a three song cassette and yeah i haven't found this letter but i'm pretty sure it's around uh, a rejection letter from around 1993 from Metal Blade. Thank you for your submission. Uh, it's not yeah. quite what we're looking for at this moment. Yeah. So how many years later? 17 years That's later? Awesome. 15 years later? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's awesome. And better yeah. th the rejection letter is better than being ignored, right? So yeah, much, Very much so. And I hope yeah. I can find that letter because I think it was perhaps even typed and on like a stationery, <laughs> if you remember. Awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's a cool metal world. Uh, I play, I've been in Void Vader here for five, going on six years. God, time flies, man. And uh, it's the best band I've been in on so many multiple levels. And I've, just to give you an example of uh, the small metal world out here, um, Bill Matoyer, who you should probably interview at some point, but uh, he is a big part of the um, Metal Blade history. And he produced and uh, engineered our album Stranded on Void nice. Vader. So nice. He's up here in North Hollywood. And so we, we worked with him. So just like more, just kind of close history of, uh, you know, people are still around and people are yeah, yeah, yeah. from that were working heavy metal back in the heyday, the glory days, the, the, yeah, yeah. the very first days before there is even a scene are still around and doing yeah. things. And, you just rub elbows naturally, you know, like we had naturally run into each other at some heavy metal shows at a club called Skinny's that used to be up in uh, North Hollywood and uh, end up working with dude, you know, mm -hmm. it all just comes full circle. It's a, it's a small world. Yeah, it is a small world. Even from my, you know, little uh, experience doing this podcast, you know, so many people are like, 
oh, have you talked to so-and-so? You need to talk to so-and-so. I'll get you in touch with so-and-so. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, we're recording next week. Yeah, thank you. Then, you know, you just kind of get passed around because everybody knows each other. <laughs> and But everybody knows each other. It's like, oh, this would be a great person to talk to. Oh, this person loves Metallica. Oh, this person knew Metallica in 83. This person, you know, and then it's just like, oh, before you know it, I have like, 10 interviews lined up it's fantastic yeah it's fucking awesome <laughs> now, i noticed that when i was like going back through your your catalog and all these all these players and i keep seeing their names pop up on all these different po- podcasts or books i yeah. read yeah and um it's cool to have all the stories come together yeah well, yeah when you can just like like work with each other like that uh naturally it's, yeah it's definitely. sweet dude so yeah um those were two of the you know, like, like in, in my previous history, if you will, some bands mm-hmm. that made a bit of a mark, you know, like White nice. Wizard was on Eerie, yeah. and then Gypsy Hawk was on Metal Blade, and Void Vader, we've been, you know, once, uh, I, like, Gypsy Hawk went down, it was just time to start over again, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just, you just gotta just pick yourself up by the bootstraps and uh, figure out what your next step is. And mine's always just to get back in as many projects as possible and to see what leads where. And so, yeah, I was dating a girl at the time whose brother heard that, you know, I play guitar and said, Hey, why don't you come out and jam, which doesn't sound that um, positive or, or I wasn't very hopeful. Like just, just random jams are normally pretty, pretty lame actually. Yeah. So no, it's like, you know, no, you owe it your, to yourself to get up and, and see what this is about. Give it a shot, you know, right. otherwise you're just going to be sitting at home watching like a rerun of family guy or South park. And mm-hmm. so I went up there and the jam went really well. This jam was up in North Hollywood and that's where I met Lucas. Nice. And so the band has gone through, um, ended up going through a number of uh, member changes. And, and so that dude's no longer in it. But I mean, it was it was very random, you know. I was dating a, a girl, you know, for a little bit, and then her brother asked me to come jam, and then I ended up meeting Lucas and saying, you know, I mean, this is fun, this is cool. I like, yeah. I, if anything else, I'm having fun doing this, like, and just to see where it goes. And I was in a number of projects, and some of them fizzled out. And for a while, I was rolling two bands. That's when I was actually, I kind of just wanted to change it up. I uh, found a. Um, uh, like some dude that was looking for musicians, but he was looking for a bass player, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll play bass. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It was new, and then we couldn't find a singer. I was like, I guess I'll sing. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. It's a like good, and I just like musical challenges, if you will. Or sure. Yeah. Or, that's cool. But anyway, so I was rolling two bands, and then um, that band took a shit. Um, <laughs> and uh. But both of them were like like the two contenders, if you will. Right. And, and, um, like hindsight is a really good thing because it was getting to the point of having two serious projects. You couldn't really um, put the uh, correct amount of effort and energy in either one. Sure. And uh, so anyway, so we really started going hard in Void Vader and getting doing some regional touring. You know, started out. Uh, I mean, maybe from just like two to three days in a row to we did like a, a California tour, like all the way from San Diego and and up through. Maybe we played Reno as, as 
far as we got, but like a week tour with a band um, out of St. Louis called Final Drive, which is where we met Joey DiBiase, yeah. who ended up playing drums. And was from Connecticut, East Coast. Yes. Hometown boy. <laughs> and uh, ended up playing drums on the new record. Scheduled right. to come out awesome. April 23rd on Ripple Music. So, Perfect. you know, it's, it's cool. I mean, that was uh, maybe two years apart, you know? That's you meet awesome. people, you stay in touch, yeah. you see who you vibe with. I mean, you seem like that guy's really good. He's good, you know? Um, I'll get to it. Um, well, I'll jump to this story. Our drummer at the time, fantastic musician, Hermann, spelt German, but Hermann, um, both he and Lucas are from Uruguay and moved here in 2013. But he had to leave the country because after six, seven years of trying to establish legal residency, and his wife was from Sweden, so they're both trying to establish mm, legal residency. Right. Did not happen. And, he, and they live in, in London. So um, we have, we brought it, and that's how Joey got to be recording on the new record. So Herman was in the band at the time. <laughs> you know, we did our first record yeah. with Ulrich Wilde. And um, he lives down the street, but he had come out to some Gypsy Hawk shows and was interested in producing the the third Gypsy Hawk album that never happened. But that's how I met him. And he saw us perform at the Whiskey with Holy Grail and uh, Monty Pittman. So I stayed in touch with him. And when Void Vader started playing, he came out and checked out. I was like, dude, let's work together. I mean, this is this is yeah. cool. It's good. He yeah. uh, started his own label. And um, it was a great experience where uh, we could record with Ulrich and um, – and then he, he he put the record out on his label and we, we split it just 50 50 great deal for us so that just really helped nice. get the ball moving and that's yeah, what yeah. The humanized album is is that's our first void vader release called dehumanized on worm, worm group ulrich wild i mean you look up his resume he worked on pantera great southern trend kill he did um like deftones and um like a lot of the really really big 90s bands uh actually 90s and early 2000s bands um static x mm -hmm. uh, system of a down a lot of those projects and so a incredibly talented uh producer and um that helped us get get a rolling nice. and so we started uh touring around um the west coast and then uh i you know like i, I just know from experience um if you want to do this and make uh or just get some attention or be legit if you will if you're an original band you have to tour you have to play right you have to get out there and you know it's it's not easy it's it's diy yeah, yeah. and and, Especially and right now with everything going on you know no, that's a whole different set of things uh, isn't harder it? yeah uh, well we're still playing believe it or not now you can't play in california but like this weekend actually i got rehearsal tonight at 9 p.m uh we're playing uh we're playing Phoenix. We're playing two shows in nice. Phoenix, East Side, West Side, <laughs> and and we'll play. I mean, it wasn't easy before COVID and and the shutdowns. Mm -hmm. um, we actually were five days into our our last tour, which started. It was called the Spring Breakneck Tour. Mm -hmm. We were five shows in, and we were like, we were outrunning um the epidemic on the west coast as it traveled and, and cities were getting <laughs> shut down one yeah. by one you know it started like yeah, yeah, yeah i'm thinking vegas tucson el paso and i think we made it to um oh and, and there's like san angelo 
doing my best. And then we, our last show was in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the it had caught up the East Coast and the West Coast had basically caught up, and then everything yeah, yeah, yeah. cut down. And it was just like, forget it. The whole yeah. USA is locked down. And uh, Joey flew home to Connecticut, and then we just turned around and just drove straight home from San Antonio. Yeah. And right on St. Patrick's Day, we were supposed to play uh, New Orleans on St. Patrick's oh, Day. Oh, we that would have been wild. Play. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so even before that, you know, getting a gig is like, dude, clubs are closing up and drying up. I mean, things are shrinking. Yeah. And that's just life, man. It's it's a different age. That being said, it's still there. Yeah. You just yeah, gotta yeah. find it, man. There's a For lot sure. more desert. And you gotta find <laughs> yeah. the oasis. That's right. And um, yeah, so it's it's not easy at all for sure. Yeah. But um that's how we started to um make a mark, you know, like we started toying around and, and getting larger and larger DIY shows. One of the tours we booked was like probably a full month. And, and it was basically, uh, well, I made it to the East coast and back still not the whole United States. Meaning mm. like, like, well, I don't think I've ever played Wyoming in all these days, but <laughs> anywho, yeah, the day will come. <laughs> that'd be cool man i swear yeah. wyoming is just one rest stop in the whole fucking state you know <laughs> i've been in the same one and it's always cold and really windy <laughs> i think it's always i feel like it's always those drives between salt lake city and denver yeah, so anyway. yeah. I, I, in void vader i know that you uh you know when we we're talking uh you sent me some of the music i i liked what i heard and uh, you can hear uh, you know, you cite Metallica as a big influence. So in what ways has Metallica influenced you as a guitar player and the music of Void Vader? Yeah, well, definitely in the beginning, uh, their tone was uh, some of the best, especially like Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning would be my favorites. Yeah. You know, so the guitar tone itself was just just ear, just electric. And um, just a lot of the riffs, I mean, growing up, I had all the tab books. I mean, I think I learned every single song there was. And I still mm-hmm. teach them to this day. So, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm very familiar with it and, and their stuff. So yeah. it was definitely in the DNA. There's no question. I mean, I've seen them live quite a few times. Um, I mean, they were just awesome. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, it's a big part. It's a big cornerstone of metal. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Megadeth fan, uh, Slayer fan, you know, um, so growing up, uh, those 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 bands had a, a lot to do with just uh, my introduction to music and things like that, you know. So I mean, I think that's, gosh, um, you know, Metallica doesn't have that many harmony parts. Um, they're actually much more of a rhythm guitar player. That one dude does rhythm, and one guy does lead mostly. Mm-hmm. Well, I know there's exceptions, of course, but mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, there's a lot of bands. Uh, Void Vader is is more of like two lead players and two rhythm players, you know. <laughs> so, um, but just God, man, um, I was I was a big fan, dude. I was a big fan. I learned a lot of their tunes. So, growing up, you know, I, I had uh, guitars with EMG pickups. I had a Jackson <laughs> at one point. That's completely because of Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, your pursuit of tone and and kind of they yeah. they set the 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 bar. Are there any what what are the riffs that really stood out to you as a guitar player? Oh, I mean, 
both like i said master puppets to me yeah. master puppets and and ride the lightning were just uh, front to back fantastic i like the more yeah. high energy stuff you know i mean of course it blackened was co very cool <laughs> and uh <laughs> fucking um uh, dyer's eve is, is awesome too also like shortest straw i'm just thinking because you know i, I had bought that vinyl and listened to it right. so many times mm, do -de -do -de -do -bum -bum it took me a little bit. I guess I started off with the rhythms because I couldn't figure out the leads and they were too fast for me. You know, I had mm -hmm. to start on uh, to really learn how to play lead. You kind of got to go back to um, more basic like Johnny B. Good and, and go through classic rock sure. and work yeah. your chops up and stuff like that. Right. So very, very much so on the rhythm, especially um, the riffing. I mean, trapped under ice just the blazing um right hand and and fight fire with fire also loved uh the beautiful acoustic intro yeah uh, fight fire with fire is killer man um especially the solos on like the first first three records especially you know um the solos were just so lyrical i really like that yeah. approach you know where i mean there's there's much faster players as i'm sure you're aware mm -hmm. but um just a great, great blend of uh, of chops and melody, which mm -hmm. I think is is also other guys would be like Randy Rhodes and Slash, um, uh, Marty Friedman would be the higher end. I mean, he's he's really fast. Uh, but what I'm getting at is is uh, where it's a solo isn't too um, too basic and boring, or mm -hmm. it's it's, it's um, melodically catchy and it has some good chops to it but it's like it's that right blend of it like can like scorpion yeah. fantastic soloing and really yeah. leopard and a lot of those guys had it but you know yeah i mean you know metallica was kind of the the one of the it bands of just um you know that time period i mean you'd open up a locker and have you know if you were a metalhead and someone would have a metallica pull out poster up there a lot of cool ones. I mean, and, and that's how you heard about Mesa, you know, Boogie Amps and and right. EMGs and Jacksons and uh, Jim Dunlop picks. And, you know, they did, they did a lot for it. You know, whether or not, sure. you know, that's, you know, I, you know I, I got a Marshall amp. I play Marshall and et cetera. But my whole point is, like, you really kind of studied. Um, those were one of the guys that are at the forefront that a lot of people just really studied. Like I said, set the bar, if you yeah. will. And then, like. Uh, yeah, their, their videos were cool. One was a big deal when it came out, but also like Cliff from Wall, there was like an aesthetic about them. Uh, they had a bit of a like a um, like a reputation. I mean, it's just a way that they were looked at. Like they kind of presented the the heavy heavy metal culture at the time. Right. Know? Yeah. So it was really cool to to be there then. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think you know, like you said. Um, there are bands that play faster. There are plan there are bands that play better, right? There are better, more technical musicians mm -hmm. out there, but mm -hmm. they just sort of have this combination that works and it they write great songs and there's a melodicness to it and a catchiness to it that just appeals to uh, a mass amount of people, both metalheads and non. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean they're they're definitely a religion in, in themselves. And um and they've gone through quite a few phases as yeah. well. So it's interesting to watch the reality show that is Metallica, right? <laughs> and the different chapters of all these, yes. all these years and what are they yeah. doing now. And um, 
and and they're still they're still doing it to this day as well. Have you followed them through these different chapters? Do they lose I've you along them. the way? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the last time I saw Metallica was um, I was teaching a guitar center studio, and one of my students was part of the Metallica fan club and got tickets mm-hmm. uh, to a show that they played here at an airplane hangar, and it half it was uh, Call of Duty Four had was coming out, and Metallica played mm-hmm. their their launch. I oh, got cool. to see them, so yeah. that would have been around two thousand, like ten or eleven, ten mm-hmm. maybe yeah so that's the last time i saw him live i know sam just went up to sam's our bass player in floyd fader and he just went up yeah. to uh san francisco and saw one of their live like the the symphony two shows oh yeah yeah, yeah he said that was cool so I've, i i've been following them uh like my whole life i mean you, you really they always they always pop into it man <laughs> Kind of like your podcast just came up you know <laughs> there's a lot of metallica podcasts out there too you know, there's a lot of us trying to spread the gospel, I guess. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I you, you mentioned before that you have been to, uh, you know, several concerts, including that last one. Do you have a favorite personal concert that well, you've seen of them? You know, favorite. You know, the, it was the first one in 19, you know, yeah. just the draw with yeah, the cold yeah, yeah. opening in 1989, yeah. you know. I, I had was, a feeling that was your yeah. answer, but figured I'd ask the question. Do you have a and, second favorite that comes to mind? <laughs> well, the Call of Duty show was pretty sweet because yeah. it was a very, uh, I mean, for Metallica, very intimate uh, sure. situation. The sound was great, too. Yeah. The sound was really good. Because once again, the crowd was one third armed forces, one third fan club, and one third um, Activision people. It was sweet. <laughs> I think there was an open bar there too. That was great. Was that a full set that they played? Like a yeah, full, yeah. They didn't awesome. just come out and do four songs. This is a yeah, straight yeah. rock show, man. It was killer. Awesome. It was killer. Um, I saw them on like the Load tour. I lived in Atlanta uh, from like '95 to '98, so I saw them on that tour. Uh, that tour. Uh, where the the stage like collapsed, you know, and they they had that thing happening. I almost saw. Remember when Garage Days came out in? Um, I mean, I what was that two thousand or something? It was uh ninety eight, like the tail end there, the nineties, yeah. So um, they did some select shows and they played the State Theater in Detroit. That's what it was called at the time, anyway. Yeah. But we were partying really hard. We pre-partied. Um, I don't know. I end up getting in an old. I'm noticing a trend here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, it's it's part of a rock and roll, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that would have been fantastic. But like, some some asshole started something with me. I was standing right next to me. I don't even know what his problem was. Detroit people can be very volatile for no reason. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I got thrown out of that show right when it started, right when the intro. It wasn't my fault, I swear. <laughs> I believe you, Eric. Fuck yeah, that yeah. Guy. Fuck that other guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy, man. Yeah, you couldn't get shows, uh, tickets. Uh, one of my friends won tickets to that show. You couldn't buy them. Yeah. But that was, that would have been fucking sweet. Um, yeah, I saw him on the Black Album. God, um, four or five times. I mean, they toured so much and they. Yeah, that was like they, a three year tour. Yeah, man. And then, you know, I remember watching the VHS of uh, Year and a Half of Life of Metallica a thousand times. And and I saw him not a thousand times, but probably five <laughs> times on that tour from like 
from Detroit, and they, I mean, Kalamazoo, back and forth. And we were seeing a lot of shows back then, but there's a good, there's a lot of great concerts back then. Yeah. Saw them with the uh, Guns N' Roses um, and Faith No More. What um, like 92, the big, yeah. uh, the big super headliner yeah. show. They played Joe, Lu- not Joe Lewis, they played the Silverdome. And everything went smoothly at that one with uh, Axel yeah. and company. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. There was yeah. no like, yeah, they played their set. Yeah. It was, God, it was, what a great show, man. I mean, Silverdome sounds not ideal, but, uh, but that, but that so, lineup, I mean, I love all three of those bands. So, yeah, man. That's what I'm saying is like at the time, almost didn't go to that show. I mean, we were so spoiled. <laughs> there were so many great concerts yeah. constantly coming that that didn't, seemed to be a big deal and i think we ended up buying tickets the day of you know yeah and going and, and getting pretty decent seats all things considered man and that was a true kind of old school heavy metal experience with the chicks all popping their tops in between yeah. bands and the at least in detroit i'm sure they did it like they really don't do this anymore it was and then yeah the, the, they'd actually put them on the big screen you know and everyone go yeah yeah, we were pretty young. We're still in high school. <laughs> that was a big deal. I was like very, uh, I don't know, I was like seeing your first pair of tits on a radar movie, you know? I remember I saw, so I have an interesting GNR story because I saw them, uh, well, I saw GNR 2.0 with, okay. uh, for Chinese Democracy. Yeah. And, but it was like the first go around. I don't think the album was actually out yet, but they were. It was like right after. I'm not sure if you recall. Like Axl Rose made a surprise appearance at like the VMAs on MTV, yes. and then like yeah. he kind of launched a tour. I think so. It was right after that. I'm like, I don't know what to expect. Like he sounded shitty on the VMAs. I don't know what to expect for the well, show. Well, everyone was nagging on him. I don't know if he even really did bad. You know, it's just they're just being dicks to him. But then, I can't remember. It was that was like God. Was that like '98 or something? Or it must have been. Was I it after the 2000s? Yeah, I think ago. I don't remember. It was it wasn't too far into the 2000s if it was. I think it was the 2000s, but I don't think it was too far okay. into the. But my my mom always loved Guns and Roses. Yeah, so, awesome. So I went with my mom, and uh, we had a little family, you know, concert outing. The problem was, uh, you know, Axel was being Axel, and GNR was super late. So uh, there, yes. they had an opening act, and then an hour of nothing. The second opening act, then an hour of nothing. And then at 11 o'clock, when GNR was supposed to be ending, um, they hit the stage. But from the hour from 10 to 11, the whole thing was just showing yeah. boobs on the big yeah, screen. The and I'm just like, I'm standing next to my mom and I'm like, oh, I don't know if they'll hit the stage. Maybe we should go. I don't... <laughs> I... Yeah, a little awkward to be with your mom in that experience. But my mom's like, why are they doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how it was man it was kind of pirating yeah, back yeah. Then. it was rad yeah i, I kind of missed that i mean that was just like that was part part of the kind of chaotic culture yeah um i do think that guns N' roses did take a while after metallica i mean it was probably at least an hour until yeah. they took the stage which you know as you know in a normal big old arena show it's not how it goes you know <laughs> right yeah um so um yeah i saw the 2.0 as well i went i saw them on a new year's eve show talking about guns and roses um yeah hard rock they played they sounded great though he came out and he put on a good show that night. i love guns and roses i just awesome man i saw them uh on their current reunion too um 
with uh you know with slash, slash and, and, and they and they were phenomenal they were on time they played for like two and a half hours and it, they sounded fantastic it's a long Jesus. yeah 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 i think they I, they got caught so much hell for it you know i guess yeah. I, I i gotta think like slash and duff has to have like in their contracts like axel owes them like you know 500 million dollars or something ridiculous if he's late because he's on time every single night now <laughs> Yeah, you know, maybe he just got sick of it too. Yeah, you know? like, like why would you really be that late all the time? Right. Just well, like blown out on you know recovering from hangover slash whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get it together. But yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, I haven't seen them for for a while. Probably it was 2013, I think, when that show was. I mean, that's forever ago. Time is just flying, dude. I know. Are there any um? newer metal rock bands that you are super into or that you've played shows with that you would recommend to listeners of this yeah. podcast? Yeah, definitely. Actually, the band that I listen to a lot right now is called, like, just changed their name. They're called Unto Others, and they're from Portland. Okay. And uh, they have, like, an EP, actually two EPs and a, and a full album out. The album's called Mana. And uh, that band is so cool. They're like, they actually have a bit of a gothic new wave approach in the voice which is rare and different and he pulls it off and they got like metal riff when in my previous bands um we used to do shows with this band called spellcaster actually maybe just once but they're around and that's the band that he came from so they used to be called um idle hands and i guess they had to change their name so anyway long story short yeah, check out this band called unto others okay. and they got some videos out and they're on the whole spotify and everything that's a killer band um there's a great band called haunt they're from fresno we've done some shows with them they, they do like more of a traditional metal thing yeah I've, um, I've, i'm pretty sure i've heard them before they've got more of like an old school kind band. of sabbathy thing going if i'm not oh mistaken. he did like he was in a band um Actually, when I was in Iron Out, that band I used to sing and play bass for, um, we actually opened like for I guess one of their first shows out of Fresno. That was called Beast Maker, and they made a huge buzz. And they were on Rise Above Records, which is a subsidiary yeah. of Metal Blade, and I kind of like got them a big following. And and uh, that's where Haunt comes from. And like my buddy's band, I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. I'm a Dross. That's some fucking killer fucking just, well, death metal, really, man. I mean, it's it's not just metal metal. It's, it's more death metal. So those are those are a couple bands to check out. My cool. friends in Mothership were also on Ripple Music, who is a label that Void Vader's on. And Void Vader, check of us course. out. Man. Of course. Well, if if you don't mind, I would love to include a, a Void Vader song in this episode. Oh, please do. I'm excited. Awesome. Um, so I know th I'll, I'll, I'll end with this Metallica question. I know that you, um, well, I'm going to ask you a lot. I'm going to ask you two tough Metallica questions to end this show. Um, as a guitarist, you have to choose one to be in your band. Do you choose James or Kirk? James. He's got the riffs. He's got the down picking, right? Great voice. He's a master. Great voice. Yeah. Um, but you don't get the voice; you just get the guitar. Okay. Yeah. Still. Um. I. I. I think James. <laughs> now I know you have. Uh, uh. You've already mentioned your love for Ride Master. Yeah. Justice. Yeah. You can only have one Metallica album for the rest of your life. Which one yeah. is it? Master. Master of Puppets. Yeah. I. I mean. I. I. I gotta agree. It's not. <laughs> um. 
I always tell people if you played the song Master Puppets, that sums up everything in eight minutes that Metallica does really well. It's like the perfect Metallica song, I think, on the perfect album from start to finish, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's great on that particular album. The songs, I think, Battery is my favorite. I mean, Battery's a. Uh, I think Just Battery's got to be their best opener. I think Battery's got to be their best opener. Beautiful, yeah, man. Orion's their best instrumental. I mean, it's it's just it, it's so. Ooh, I don't know. Orion versus Call of the Cthulhu. It's very close. Oh, and I like To Live Is to Die as well. I like. I mean, I like them all. I'm gonna make a. a I'm gonna do a hot take here. I would yeah. actually choose the live orchestra version from SNM of Call of Cthulhu over the original album version. Ooh. Yes. I, I, Controversial. Gonna... I love it. I'm going to I'm going to go with that controversial statement for this episode. <laughs> cool. uh, I love is to live is to die though. Um but Orion for me the I mean also too once I once I uh, accepted my role as the bass player and you go as lead bass you know and the, you have the so I mean I just think of course you have anesthesia pulling teeth and you have yeah. so many great parts but that's just a a, a great shining moment for Cliff Burden. So that's it's beautiful. I mean when I was younger I didn't know that that was a bass solo in Orion. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it was. I think maybe someone told me or whatever, but I was aware of it for anesthesia. But yeah. Orion, I didn't realize that that was a bass solo right there, you know? Yeah. If you don't know, you wouldn't tell. <laughs> Unless you're, you know, at a young age. Well, I time. also think that's Pete Cliff Burton. Yeah. I mean, that, that's who, him at, at his most musical. I, I would agree with that. Eric, this was a blast. Thank you so much for coming on Metallicast. Where can everybody find you or perhaps most importantly, find Void Vader? Find Void Vader. V-O-I-D-V-A-T-O-R. Just type that into uh, your internet machine and uh, reach out to us. A lot of things. We're on the Spotify. We're on the YouTubes. We're on BitChute. We're on the Facebook. We're on all the platforms. So uh, that's how you do it. And I will definitely include uh, links in the episode description. So please check out Void Vader. And like I said, I will include a song in this episode as well. Yeah. Um, Eric, this was fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on Metallicast. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah. A huge thank you to Eric Kluber for coming on Metallicast. Eric and I have been talking by email since he came on the show, and he had a couple more stories to add on. First and foremost, in reference to seeing Metallica and Guns N' Roses, he writes, There was one Axel moment. He got mad that the band wasn't playing You Could Be Mine Right, so he threw his mic down and walked off the stage. Then they did a 20-minute drum solo and then a 20-minute guitar solo. Then he came back on stage and said, we're going to do this right. And they did You Could Be Mine again and play the rest of the concert. That happens pretty close to the beginning of the show, too, a few songs in. 
I had a feeling that there was an Axl Rose one. I feel like every show during this era had at least one. He also adds in reference to uh, being influenced by Metallica and picking up some of their gear that they had played, in particular, in particular guitars. He writes, I did buy a Jackson in the early 90s. I know Metallica has been an ESP band for decades. Hell, I'm playing my ESP Eclipse in this photo, which you can see uh, attached to this episode on social media at Metallica Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. He adds, but Kirk used to play a Black Jackson Randy Rose Flying V for years during the Master Puppets and Justice years. During the Justice era, he was playing a few non-ESP guitars prominently very often. Anyway, I felt that I need to clarify the statement about picking up a Jackson due to Metallica influence in case someone says... What an idiot. Doesn't he know that Metallica primarily uses ESP? Come to think of it, I've also done Gibson Flying V from the Kill em All era and a Fender Strat from the Ride the Lightning era and a black ESP Strat with a whammy when I lived in Atlanta. I even picked up a Mesa Boogie Mark IV head and cabinet from the Master Puppets era for an amazing deal then. I've had all the main Kirk axes at one point. So just a little bit of clarification, a little bit of an add-on for all of you from Mr. Eric Kluber. Please follow the links in the episode description to check out Void Vader. You can follow them on social media and check out some of their music on Bandcamp or YouTube. And also, please follow Metallicast on social media at Metallicast Bottom, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, like I already said. If you'd be so kind to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that goes a long way in helping the show grow and help me get more great guests like Eric Kluber. And if you're brand new to listening, please subscribe and download as well. As I said, I'm ending this episode with a song from Void Vader. This is the first single from their upcoming album, Great Fear Rising, which will be released April 23rd on Ripple Music. The name of the song is I Can't Take It. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen,
Amazon experts.